Do you ever feel like fear keeps you from doing what God has called you to do? God has called John Short to spread the gospel in communist nations. And even though he's been detained and threatened and harshly interrogated, fear has not held him back. Why not? Fear and faith cannot exist within my heart at the same time. When we live by faith, trusting the Lord, moment by moment, fear has no room in the heart. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome back to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Last week, we began hearing the riveting story of John Short, an Australian gospel worker who was detained in 2014 inside North Korea. I would encourage you, if you missed the first half of our conversation with Mr. Short, Go to vomradio.net and listen to that episode or check us out in the podcast of last week's episode. Last week, we heard how John Short was on a tour inside North Korea. He left some gospel tracks outside a Buddhist temple. That made the North Korean officials very upset. John didn't realize that the day he was doing that was actually the birthday of Kim Jong-il, the former dictator of North Korea. But the timing made the North Koreans assume that it was some kind of political act. We heard how the hotels in North Korea are run by the government and they have detention centers inside them. That's where Mr. Short was detained. He was questioned every single morning and every afternoon, including being asked to write a detailed summary of each year of his life. And he's 75 years old at this time. A couple days into his detention, Mr. Short began to fast as a way of drawing closer to the Lord, but that was something that really upset his captors. Word of John's detainment quickly became news, and believers around the world began to pray. I asked him if he realized at the time how many people were praying for him. Completely isolated. I had no conscious feeling of anything other than Uh, will I be released and uh, return to do the work that I do? How was your prayer life while you were being detained? Uh, Much more time for prayer. (laughs) 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 Uh, And I must admit uh, that one then sees that, my, our lives are busy. Uh, But there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, there is a place where we can touch the throne and we can pray and intercede. I I believe that Satan cannot read my thoughts. I believe that uh, articulation of words, uh, the the banishment of Satan, he needs to hear us say it. And uh, the walls of our imprisonment should hear, should reverberate with our prayers until they take away our voice. It should be articulated, I believe. So it's a wonderful time when you're on your own uh, and never so less alone when you're alone with the Lord. And so you pray and so you speak to the Lord audibly 
And of course there is unspoken prayer. But if I only pray, Satan can't hear it. As Satan has no hold against uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a banished uh, foe, and he needs to be told so. So the guards that were with you all the time, did they respond in any way as you're praying out loud? Very interesting. Majority of them were puzzled by, by me. One was quite sympathetic. His eyes said it. One particular one was filled with hatred. A 30-year-old, uh, very handsome Korean young gentleman came in. The moment he, his eyes rested on me, I realised he was the full-fledged communist intern seeking to get position in the system. And his entire demeanour was a flick of the head and derision that we are of another another generation uh, and of another uh, nigh-on alien to him. And the hatred is, you can be felt, can be spiritually felt. So one, as a believer, we know that it's wise to be among the, the terrible meek of the world, for they're undone by meekness. I know there was a big deal made in the North Korean press. Oh, Mr. Short has signed this letter of confession. How did the letter of confession, and actually eventually Voice the Martyrs USA, invited other Christians to sign a letter of confession, somewhat patterned after yours, because yours said, yes, I wanted as many North Koreans as possible to become followers of Christ. We confess that too. How did that come about, or what led up to that, and then eventually to your release? So I freely admitted, for I repeat again, when we break the laws of the country to which we visit, that is a breakage of their law. But I do not view that as a sin against God, for I have my commission from on high that is superior to the law of the land. So yes, I broke their law. And I was very willing to admit, I've broken your law, but no, I did not have a political agenda in any way at all against the Northern Korean regime. So at that point, you didn't necessarily have any hesitation because you felt like this does genuinely reflect, yes, I did break the law. I knew, I knew it and I broke the law. Yes, I want people to become Christians. So you didn't have any hesitation in signing the letter. No. Have you had any criticism from others about the letter of confession, the, the idea that, oh, you gave in to them or you did what they wanted you to do? Yes, that's very interesting. I, I was quite surprised with this, that well-meaning Christians then went on to the Internet particularly, but only one ever faced me face-to-face -face, that uh, if they had been in that situation, they would not have confessed to anything. And they felt that it was demeaning. They felt that it was unfaithful to the Lord to have uh, signed anything and to have uh, acknowledged anything to the, the North Korean regime. So how do you respond to that criticism? I, I believe that the defense of ourselves will not, because it's unscriptural, uh, the Lord Jesus did not defend himself. So I felt that uh, if it was true, if I defended myself, it would be a lie. If I, what they were saying was not true, it's better to leave it there. It's better for me to rather show 
that uh, these things do not trouble me, that uh, I was the one that was in the crucible, not you. And so uh, then the day of the, the court presentation, I was then taken to this particular court, a very awe-inspiring room, and positioned, uh, photographed, uh, movie camera here upon me, then thumbprinted again. Every sheet had to be thumbprinted. I had to read out the confession that I had made when the austere gentleman came in and sat under the, the portraits of, the, of the, the Kim family. I particularly asked for strength because I had been fasting for many days. I asked the Lord to not let my knees uh, crumble under it and uh, the Lord gave strength to stand, to walk in a long, long walk to, to that court and a long walk back again. And I was not told whether it was acceptable. I was told that this was just a, a part of the procedure. So then I was taken back to my detention. I had no intimation the night before or week before that I would ever be released. Next morning at six o'clock, because the guard had changed at two, the interpreter arrived and said, you better get your things together. I said, why? He would not say that I was being released, but you, you need to get yourself together because the investigator is coming this morning at half six. So then what transpired was I was then again given another session and then I was told the investigator himself, not the interpreter, we're going to uh, consider your release whether I was going to be removed to another locality, I was still not told. We're not told that you're going to go on the, the one flight out of Pyongyang, uh, daily uh, one exit flight. So um, then they came in to uh, investigate what I had, my Bible and a notebook. And the investigator said, you must give us your notebook. I said, but my wife gave me this notebook. Um, no, you must. You will not be released unless you pass it over. So I said, well, can I keep the first sheet where she had written, which I had written something on there that I did not wish them to, to see? And um, he said, well, you may take one sheet out. And all of my notes, everything that I had re re reported every day I had recorded were, were taken from me. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network, and today we're hearing from John Short, former detainee inside North Korea. They give you your Bible, you get one page out of your notebook, you take your suitcase out to the car. When they were ready, I was taken then out to the quintessential uh, old-fashioned black Mercedes-Benz with darkened windows all around it. I was placed in the back with my interpreter and uh, the driver and then another man, a very surly gentleman in the, in the front. We were then taken to the airport and I, the time ticked on, but I was not permitted to join the general population. Eventually, I was taken in to the, the main uh, departure area, which is just really like a concrete floor and just benches. I was still minded and then once all were on the airport, then I was taken to the glass door. And then finally, when the glass door opened, I was given my passport and then could walk finally to the aircraft, which was 
uh, and I'd been fasting for quite a few days, and but the Lord gave strength and got on the plane. And uh, again, I repeat, the experience was surreal to be departing uh, on that on that aircraft. Let's talk about when you got back to Beijing and then eventually reunited with your wife. She'd she'd been through a little bit of a trial also <laughs> through this experience. Um, what was that like? When eventually the Australian Embassy gave me a phone and I could contact her, I said, I think, Karen, it would be good if you and uh, two other sisters could come and uh, fetch me back to Hong Kong. I'm feeling a bit uh, weak and uh, I haven't... She said, well, I've been fasting too. She'd fasted the entire time, every day. So, um, well, let's break the fast together. Let's have chicken congee. Uh, celebrate when you when you arrive at the hotel. So Karen turned up, and um, the particular hotel that we normally stay at in uh, Wang Fu Jing, uh, very gracious to us and looked after us. And I had been instructed that because I no longer had uh, funds left in my wallet, I said, "Well, I've got a I've got a, a visa card, and we don't we don't accept visa." I said, "What do I have to pay for?" You have to pay for every day that you've been in detention, and so then. <laughs> so, so we detained you in this hotel and would not let you leave, and had two guards with you the whole time, and now you need to pay the bill. So, I, uh, what little uh, renminbi uh, money had been left uh, was left in my wallet. Uh, they took all of that. There was some Australian dollars or American dollars that was all taken. And then they said, in Beijing, the the company that you booked your visa through, if we can be assured that you will pay uh, so many hundred American dollars to them, we believe you, because by this time they they believed that I was a Christian, that I would pay. I said, yes, if you, if you say that I have to pay such and such amount, uh, I will pay that. So my wife and uh, these two brave sisters then had to go and find uh, their representative, which of course all these visa people are government officials, and paid the money but made sure that it was not in the hotel, it was at a, at a neutral place, and uh, paid, paid that cash. Let me tell you though of one very fascinating incident that happened. We were then waiting for our, our brethren uh, in the house churches in Beijing to come to visit us. And suddenly a gentleman walked by and Karen said, we know him. I said, do we? And yes, he's a brother working in North Korea. I said, here. So she called him. He came over and we embraced and we shed tears and he said, I cannot tell you what a miracle this is. I've been searching for you and I was told to go to the... I went there. You were not checked in there. So then I just happened, this is where I normally stay. So I came here and I just, I mean, I'm booked in here. I'm carrying fellowship for you, funds in Korean won from South Korea to thank you for what you've done. We were, we were amazed. So he, he had American dollars, he had uh, Korean won 
to put in our hands to say thank you. And, and he was looking for you and just, ha just happened to run just into you. happened to find us, yeah. Then uh, some of our brethren in uh, Beijing uh, visited us and said how that 20 house churches had joined together to pray uh, every hour of the clock. It's amazing to me because you have fellowshiped with the persecuted church in China. Mm -hmm. You have been that prayer warrior for them. Uh, and now this was, in some ways, God's way of showing you the value of that. And they stepped up and said, hey, now you're on the other end. Now they're praying for you. How does how do you respond to that? Oh, it was it was very very emotionally uh, thrilling, but humbling, to have these that live under such intense pressure themselves in house churches. But they can understand. They really uh, support you in prayer. Tremendous experience. Do you feel more connection with them now after this experience? Yes, very much so. So in no time, we then arranged for a conference in the capital for they wish to, for us to get more together. So co-workers from the south of China and from, from Hong Kong journeyed up to Beijing and we had a, uh, a very large hall in this particular hotel and we had, uh, we had 100 present and uh, to make a report there to them so that we could uh, fellowship in this for, for two days. And so they came together to hear, basically hear your report about what had happened yeah. and what was their response? To be all the more um, active in prayer, all the more active in witness for Christ. When you got back to China, and I know, I mean, you've been working in China for a long time. Much of what you do is, is what we would call secret work. And now here you are on national TV with TV cameras. Were you afraid that this was really going to stop the work that you do in China once it was known, hey, this is this is that guy who got arrested for taking gospel tracts into North Korea. That's right. Since 1980, when eventually I was permitted entrance into China from Hong Kong, Chairman Mao dies, 76, takes four years for things to become stabilized. 1980, our prayer was answered. We could now visit all of the provinces of China. When this took place, I felt very much that this was the terminus, that uh, I would no longer be permitted to do that which I, I love to do, and that is to encourage local workers in their witness. For we that are, that are foreigners, we can draw alongside of the local worker and do what they cannot do, for they can do what we cannot do. So that being our ministry, to have that taken from us uh, was quite a, a mid-progress crisis to face, for I felt that uh, it was the end. But it hasn't been. Talk a little bit about how that, that fear hasn't come to fruition. None currently from my own residential situation in Hong Kong, but in China, several co-workers have said, when they hear that I'm going to reapply and see if we can get a visa and continue to do what we do, 
would you be interested to go? And I have quite a, quite a group of co-workers who would be willing to, to join together and to enter. Of course, the, the objective is, what can we do to encourage the literature to reach those that need it, that those in their meaningless existence might find meaning through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is relative to that. Now, when you say reapply, you're talking about going back to North Korea. Uh, I think <laughs> some of our listeners are saying, is this guy crazy? Why do you want to go back to North Korea? How do you respond to that? I perceived that the investigator was most occupied with our political apprehension of them. And my concerted effort was to assure him that Christians are not actively involved in the destruction of their political power, but that we are actively interested in the advance of the gospel. That, yes, as I told them again and again, yes, we want more and more North Koreans to hear the gospel and become Christians. So if more can become Christians, you'll go back a hundred times? Yes. Yes. Without fear? Yes. One of the things that I'm struck by in your story is, is how unfearful you were. How do you explain that? I've always believed when I, as a young man of 24, when I knew the call of God, that to board a ship to the unknown world of China, the only open door to China, Hong Kong, it was a step of faith. And fear and faith cannot exist within my heart at the same time. I either feared for my self-preservation the first law of human nature, or was what I was about to embark on, was it a step of faith? Was I like Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor, in his first uh, entrance to China, miserably failed under the London Missionary Society. He went back. He sat at the feet of his missionary benefactor, George Mueller, and he learnt not only salvation by faith, but he learned to live by faith. When we live by faith, trusting the Lord, moment by moment, fear has no room in the heart. So the only reason that I, I believe that there is no room for fear is because we're believing the Lord. Were there any of the North Koreans that you dealt with that you felt like maybe had a little bit of softness in their heart for the gospel or for you? Or was it a closed door? Closed door, totally. And yet, hopefully, you planted some seeds along the way that, that will come to fruition. That's right. I believe that the, the printed page, that the, the presentation of the Word of God is the seed. The Word is the seed. We plant it. The rest is the work of God. The Holy Spirit takes it, and there is a harvest. I know, once I know, that the literature that we have invested the Lord's funds into is doing its work, that, that it is being carried into North Korea. I have total confidence 
because it is the word of God, that it will do its work. How would you say that you're different after this experience? That's a very good question, and I believe that um, profession of faith is tested by the Lord, and he will, in his own time, he will take that which we have professed and allow us to be put to the test. Then it will be proven like Abraham of old. Because thou hast done this thing, in blessing will I bless thee. Blessing follows obedience to faith. Refining is a heated experience, but I've had glorious examples. When my hero emerged from 21 years and nine months in prison because he would not allow in his thinking that the Communist Party was the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church, for that he went to prison. When he emerged from prison, there was no smell of the fire of the refining upon him. He came forth, he emerged from it without bitterness. His eldest son begged him to appeal to government for reparation. You owe him, so, you owe my father so much. He would not. He said, leave it, son, leave it. We leave it with God. God allowed my hero, God's hero in Beijing, to outlive all of his persecutors. He lived to well into his 90s. His passing to heaven was a glorious release from a frail body, but it was a victory for he knew he would live forever. John Short will be right back to close our time here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio. He's been telling us about some of his heroes of the faith, and those mentors helped John Short to prepare for his time of trial in North Korea. John was detained by the North Korean government for spreading gospel literature. You know, hearing John's perspective challenges me, and I hope it challenges you as well. When I hear John's story, I'm forced to ask myself some tough questions about how willing am I to share my faith in Christ? What sacrifices am I willing to make to see other people hear the gospel? If you missed any of our conversation with Mr. Short, you can hear the complete story of his time in North Korea, as well as all the other episodes of Voice of the Martyrs Radio, online at vomradio.net. That website is vomradio.net. Now, if you're married, you understand that when John was detained in North Korea, he wasn't the only one being affected by that imprisonment. His wife Karen was back in Hong Kong praying for her husband and dealing with a swarm of media interest. Next week, we're going to hear her perspective on this whole situation, and I hope you'll be back to join us here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. To close out our time this week, John Short is going to tell us how we can be praying for him and for the work that his team is doing in Asia. We thank God for uh, all prayer that is made for rulers, those in authority. We are commissioned to pray for them, to pray that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He can turn it and he will turn it. Pray for them that are in authority. Pray for the suffering believers. 
tens of thousands of believers among the 200,000 prisoners in the gulags of North Korea. Pray for those who are in prison. Pray for those who feel so hopeless and so helpless. Pray for them to experience that being born again, that they have life from God and that they, they can, in that situation, still overcome. Yes, let us unitedly pray for the hermit kingdom for North Korea.